You are with us tonight for episode 19 of the Rocky Talkie podcast. I am your host, Rocky Riccatoni. We are getting even closer to the benchmark 20 episode. Um, very cool night tonight. I am joined by a very, uh, very cool cat by the name of Dre Bucci. He is a, uh, one, of the, one of the more talented barbers in our area. He owns uh, Ndiamo Barbershop. And here in Hamilton, and uh, the shop interior alone is uh, just absolutely outstanding. It 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 almost defies logic in terms of you know people have an idea of what a barber shop should look like. This is a class act operation, right down to Sam's uh, cannolis yeah. <laughs> that you carry with with a full blown espresso bar and then a full service barber shop. Um, it is an honor to have uh, Dre Bucci of Endiamo here with me tonight. Dre, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, sir. We've know, we've we've chatted here and there, um, not really knowing who we were each other's um, story, but here in my shop. But um, I see you around around town a lot, and uh, I'm like, man, this guy's a cool cat. He's uh, very masculine, good-looking Italian man. I feel very Nordic compared to you. You're like, I'm Italian, but you're really Italian. I gotta come here every week. Man. Oh man, yes, I will. I will prop you up. But uh, I, I, once again, I, I say this almost every episode that I, I don't know people, and I reach out to them, and uh, nine times out of ten, people are just like, absolutely, I'll come on. So um, a huge thank you for joining me tonight. And the topic is very close to my heart. You are a barber. I grew up in a hair salon. We were chatting. Uh, third generation, I was emptying out ashtray, ashtrays in uh, hair drying seats back when that was a thing and nice. uh, filling up the Coke machine and taking orders and over the phone and booking in perms. And so I grew up understanding the, the buzz and the excitement of seeing family and the smell of the hair dryers and the hair product. And it was, it was a, a little world unto itself that was full of energy conversation, gossip, and uh, as we Italians would say, La Familia, there was, everybody I loved was there cutting hair. And um, I always refer to it as the, uh, the job, the career that got away. I, I could have done it. I dabbled in it. I think I took it for granted because I grew up around it. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a huge love for, for the industry. So I want to just uh, dive in, man, and see and hear your story about how you got into what you do and uh, how it's been as an owner. And uh, it is very apparent that you have a very high standard of excellence. I can tell by the way the art and the, the, the painting is on the walls, like you, you give a shit. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about how you decided that Dre Bucci was gonna be a barber. Yeah, man, so I have, I have kind of, uh an extensive, you know, career and, and job history growing up, you know, I kind of, kind of tried my hand in, in, uh, in every, everything that I could. Same. Um, yeah, exactly. Gypsy. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of how I feel. Right. And, and I think the reason behind that is I wasn't, I, I'm not the type of guy that's just going to kind of settle for something that, you know, makes me a decent paycheck, but I, I, it, it's not fulfilling. You know right. what I mean? It doesn't something that I don't really enjoy waking up to every day. Right. Yep. So, uh, you know, I went from, uh, in 2011, I got a job at Apple and, and I worked for Apple for five years. And, and the cool thing about that is it, with, with all of these different jobs, I kind of pick, picked out of a few different traits 
that you know all combine into being it, what a great barber is. Right. right? Uh, with Apple, I was there for five years, and um, within those five years, I just nailed customer service. Nice. Like, customer service was like everything. You know what I mean? Yep. And Apple's culture is all customer service driven. You don't have to know shit about computers. Right. You know what I mean? You have to be a decent person that right. knows how to speak to people. Um, so communication, customer service, uh, I nailed that with Apple, and then you know I went into construction. You know, typical kind of young young Italian guy my age uh, got into Liuna, the laborers union, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. The work isn't extravagant, but no. you, you know you learn to work hard. You learn to uh, you know wake up at four in the morning. Um, you know get a little bit dirty. Um, you know take shit from your boss. All that kind of stuff. It kind of you, you just build integrity, yeah. right? And um, like you said, you you're, you're you were a musician first, right? And then you kind of went into um, 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 the culinary craft, and and so was I. You know I, I played music my whole life. Um, I've always been the type of guy that really wants to create something, right? Mm -hmm. Something that something that I can look at and be proud of, and something that I can, you know, add a little bit of uh, creativity to every single day, and and just uh, you know just look back at it and say, okay, I I I can justify this. I did something, right? right. So you know, fast forward a little bit. I was still doing construction. Uh, the money was great. Yeah. Um, you know, you you you. you you can't beat what you were making doing construction. It's it's pretty it's pretty incredible. But you know, I wasn't I wasn't waking up fulfilled every day. Right. Um, you know, I, I I often woke up in the mornings and dreaded dreaded going to work. Right. right. Yep. Um, so you know, I, I came home from from a day at work and I had a really bad day. Wife and I were kind of sitting down chatting. And uh, let's rewind a little bit. I've always been kind of playing around with the notion of cutting hair, like since high school. Um, just kind of like from from who my family was, like going to my cousins growing up and at, at Pure Envy and getting haircuts there and and all that kind of stuff. It's always been kind of in the back of my mind. I never really saw it as like a career, um, but uh, you know the situation came where I had to reevaluate my life a little bit. Uh, my wife kind of was just like came home from a bad day at work, said I didn't want to go back. My wife is like, "What are you gonna do?" And we kind of both decided that it might be a good idea to try my hand in cutting hair as a career. Amazing. You know, um, you know I always say to my barbers, I, I mean, I, I, I feel that I have a really strong uh, trait within customer service. And, and I always say to my barbers, you know, uh, being a barber is customer service first. 100%. You know what I mean? It's customer service first. You can give the best haircut in the yep. world. If, you're, if, if someone's sitting in your chair and they have a terrible experience and you're a dud. Yeah. They're not coming back. My mom would always say you could be mediocre at cutting. Totally. But if you have a personality, you'll make a lot of money. Hundred percent. And that is that is. And if you can do it all, mm -hmm. you can. Yeah, you, if can you crush. have both. Yeah. You're, you're you're killing the game, right? Yeah. So, um, so that was the thing, right? Like with my customer service background, you know, I knew how to talk to people, I knew how to build rapport, um, and, and and I also, you know, had a decent grasp on cutting hair already, right? And uh, from what. Exactly. Because of, because of it being through osmosis and being around it. Yeah. Being okay. around it in high school, I used to, I used to mess around with clippers and okay. shit like that. And, yep. you know, I've always been really into the barber culture, you know, I've always yep. liked to keep my beard trim and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Just, just from like being, um, you know, enthusiastic about the fashion industry and all that kind of stuff. Just, mm -hmm. just, just kind of like spitballing through that. Um, but essentially I decided this is what I want to do. This is, I, I literally did like four years work, worth of work within like six months. You know what I mean? I went to, um, I went through Ontario College of Trades, went to um, hairstyling school. So you're highly um, motivated. Yeah, I was highly, because I was, I was, I think like 28 at the time. Okay. And I said like, this is what I want to do is my career. Um, 
I went over to Architect on James Street, talked to the owner Pete there, yep. and said, "Hey, I want to cut hair. I'll do whatever I whatever it takes." Um, he had like a six month plan for me that you know I, I kind of crushed in like in like two or three. Wow. Um, and and it, I was just motivated, and I loved it. You know what I mean? I loved being able to good for you. Yeah, I loved being able to just like talk to you know I did ten haircuts a day on average, uh, ten to twelve haircuts a day. And I loved being able to have a conversation with a different person from every single aspect of Absolutely. life every single day. Yep. You know what I mean? You yep. don't get that with a, you know, you, you work a nine to five for like Amazon in the office. You're talking to, you're talking to people about Amazon all day, every day. Right? It's actually the perfect job. Like I, I, was, I also always say in another life, I'd, I'd be a tattoo artist because it's creative, it's artistic, it's social, totally. it's, it's, it, it's attached to fashion. Right. Uh, and it's never the same thing twice. Uh, and exactly. it's, and it's like, it really makes no sense that I'm not a barber. I actually went back to it. I, I, I blew my brains out opening up St. James and I was right. like, man, I need, I need a break. So I actually started working at uh, Pine and Dale barbershop in Burlington on the cusp of Oakville. Okay. And that's when I first saw Gosling. He was, he was teaching at a hair show that I went to go see with the crew. Nice. But, um, uh, the timing wasn't right. And right. I, and I still kind of have that thing in the back of my head. It's like, you know what, when it's all said and done, I, maybe I'll do a victory rap and just, you know, end up cutting hair because the, the, a pair of shears in my hands is as comfortable as a knife or, right. a, or a guitar. Like I get it. Right. So, uh, I'm digressing here. I, might, I cut you off, but oh, uh, no, it, it is, uh, I'm a fanboy of, of the industry. I get what you're saying. 100%. So you, so you didn't go the, uh, traditional route where you went to a hairdressing school per se. So like, I did, I did go to, I did go to school for hairstyling. You did. So, so I am trained in, in women's hair. Okay. Um, in Ontario, it's a weird kind of like gray area, total gray area. System. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really odd. It's a, you know, they, they, the, the, um, ministry of labor says that you have, if you're a barber, you have to be fully licensed as a hairstylist. But like, I don't personally know any barbers really that are fully licensed yeah, or, or shop owners that are fully licensed. It's like, they want you to make your own rules and they're okay with it. It's like, it's a wild west. It's like, yeah, uh, it's really interesting. Can, I think I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And like, regardless of that fact, I did go and go through the licensing process with the Ontario college of trades and, and, uh, you know, I was trained on stuff that you would never use in the barber industry, right? right? Like, um, I mean, actually that's, that's not true. Like we learned a lot of perm wrapping, which is now coming back with, really? like, with the younger kids. So you're right? starting yeah. to see perming. We don't personally do it. Yeah. Um, I do have one barber Tara. She is, she's pretty well versed in it. Right um, it's all, it's all people kind of like within that, you know, Gen Z demographic yeah, 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 yeah. that like the really curly messy top with like the high tight fades, gotcha, right? Gotcha. Uh, we don't do too many of them. I know I, I'm, I'm pretty sure glass box does a lot of them, which is kind of, they, they definitely appeal to the appeal to that demographic a little bit. Yeah. More. They're, they're fairly avant-garde with that urban thing. Yeah, totally. Finger waves, those kind of things. It's yeah, like, what the yeah. hell am I doing this for? Yeah. Right. I, I did, I did a, I did Marvell. I, dude, I was, <laughs> you're supposed to be there for 11 months. I was there for like, almost two years because I, I just never showed up. My mom was a teacher. I'm like, this is bullshit. I don't mean, I was, yeah. I was the worst student in the world. I was there for like three Christmases. It was ridiculous. And I ended up just leaving and, and going to work at my family salon. But I was a glorified shampoo boy and, and towel folder. I, I wasn't yeah. driven, you know what I mean? But totally. um, like I said, I love it. So you've been a barber for what, inside five years now? or have you- uh, I think just over, yeah. yeah. That's really impressive, man. Yeah, that's really impressive. Like that's, I mean, I understand coming to things late in the game, and I think that's abs. I think that's actually the best scenario. Live life, make some mistakes, make some money, lose some money, right, and then know, right. Okay, this is what I want to do. I mean, if you try, if you if you try your hand at everything, it's a lot easier to make a decision for your life going forward. One hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
What's it like being a boss? I think that's one of the things that I'll I'll consistently being um, I'll consistently be learning about along the way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every every day is different. Um, it, it's it's difficult because um, and there's I mean I I know a lot of business owners and you being one and my cousin's a restaurant owner and you know just like knowing some people in the industry it's it's kind of like you have to you have to be in that position where you're you're both authoritative and 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 friends at the same time right that without fine line that you yeah, always fall down it's, you know it's like tough. and if you're too much of a friend yeah. there's a huge opportunity for people to take advantage yeah. and if you're 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 too much of an authority figure um you're just not respected right yeah. so it's uh you kind of have to tread that line uh very finely and um that's kind of what i'm trying to get a grasp on right now i've only been in it for about six months as yeah. far as managing employees right right, right. um and, and on top of that, op, just generally operating the business and making sure we have revenue consistently coming in and making sure our marketing and our branding is on point and, and just kind of juggling and being a, being a new dad, right? Right. Just kind of juggling all of those things at once. So you, like me, had a child and then opened a restaurant. That's right. I, got, yeah, I say this all the time. It's, it's at, at, ad nauseum, but uh, opened a restaurant, got married, and had a child all within about a year. Right. But you know what the craziest thing about it is now is uh, everyone, everyone always asks me, they're like, man, how did you do that during a pandemic? And I'm just like, you know, like within – my wife was on mat leave for the first, you know, six months of us being open, right? Wow. That was – that made it way easier for me. I, I, I mean, reluctantly, I, I could say I stepped away from, the, you know, the whole father thing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still definitely as present as I could be, yeah. but it was a little bit more flexible within my life, right? right I'm just experiencing the difficulty now that my wife is back to work as of January. And now we're kind of just like, okay, my wife's working full time. I'm operating this business 24-7. Right when, when does the time, the time come in for, you know, the baby and yeah. stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure you went through yeah. it as far as, and as far as the relationship goes, you know, there's, it's kind of juggling the dynamic between you and your wife, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who picks up what, um, you know, wh- how do we avoid resentment for certain things and huge it's, and it's crazy. And on top of that, you're trying to, um, go through, you know, your fourth lockdown and, you know, you're, you're, you're laying off your, your barista because oh. you're not eligible for support because you're a new business. And you so know, you have a barista, a standalone barista in your time. operation. Amazing. Yeah. So full time. So he's our, so, so Max is our front of house. Um, we just call him our front of house, uh, guy, you know okay. what I mean? Like he, he does, he does, um, the administration of the schedule. Right he does the barista stuff. He does the bar service stuff. He's like, He's like the wheels behind. He's kind of like the, the salon manager kind of thing outside Pretty of you. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And you know, like we, and in January we had to, we had to cut him off a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So he only came in once a week all of January. Our, you know, our traffic was just dog shit, right? So it's kind of just like, do I, do I pay my, do I pay, pay an employee or do I pay rent, right? So, so I decided to pay rent, but what that does is you know, that brand that you've been fighting to create for the last six months right. just completely diminishes, right? Yeah. Every single person that comes in expecting the Undamo experience that they see online is not getting it, right? And we've been getting that feedback, right? right? So right. it's kind of like, you're, you're kind of put up against a wall and you have to kind of sit back and, sit and say, you know, what's, import, what's more important? Do I operate in the red for the next three months? Right just so I can have Max here and, you know, maintain this experience for people because that's number one for me, right? Yeah. Yep. Or do I, you know, kind of like hover within, you know, that that balancing line um, and, uh, you know, be able to cover my overhead and not have Max here. But that means that 
when people are coming in for coffees, I'm stepping away from the chair and I'm making them. And it's kind of just like sloppy. You know You're diluting I mean? the experience. Totally. Yeah. Like people, yeah. Aren't, people aren't experiencing the Andiamo that I intended for them to right. experience. Right. And that's, I think, I think the most difficult moment of me operating on Diamo has been the last couple of months. What a shit predicament. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's tough and there's nothing I can do about no. it. Yeah. And, um, and the only reason that we're not, not eligible for any, you know, government support or subsidies is because we weren't able to show revenue before March, 2020. Right. right? So, right. Um, so then you have another situation where, you know, we have, uh, other people in the same industry as you, you know, collecting a wage subsidy or a rent subsidy and whatever. And I would be doing the same thing if I was in, the, in their situation as well. But yeah. you're kind of just like, you're, you're kind of just like both starting on the same starting line, but you know, someone shoots, shoots me in the leg the timing when, is, yeah. before the, before the shotgun goes off for the start of the race. Exactly right? Exactly what it's like. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of, that's uh that's just the situation I'm in. And you know, there's people in worse, much worse situations than I am. Yeah, uh, definitely. There's people that have had to close their doors. Yep. Um, and I'm grateful for the fact that I haven't had to do that yet. Um, but that's, that's, that's kind of just the situation we're put in. I decided to open a uh, business during a pandemic. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things that you have to kind of expect going forward. Great right? story 20 years from now though. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just to, to encourage you, like you're, um, you've done such a good job with the overall aesthetic and the, the socials that, I was surprised to hear you say it's only been six months. It seems very well established and very storied, like in yeah, in, a, in a good way. And, and so that's 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 pretty awesome. And I, and I was watching you uh, try to negotiate and maneuver uh, on your Instagram, like while you were uh, going through that and watching you try to figure it all out in real time and being exposing yourself and being vulnerable and going like this sucks balls. And and you know that's it's it's always really good see a human thing like that. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, I can drive the fact that, you know, being, I can, I can be dishonest about how we're doing so well and all of that kind of stuff, but there's no, uh, there's no room for like human connection there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I, I want to make, I want to make it personal for people. I want people to understand, you know, even not just for myself, but for other business owners, what people are going through, right? Like we did the whole, you know, um, uh, if you, if you show us a receipt from a skip the dishes order or, or a receipt from purchasing anything local, we'll do, you know, 20% off of every hair. Right. On. Right. And, right on. and I knew that coming from a position where, you know, we were in the shits. Right. And, um, and I just said, you know, it's, it, the whole situation is just so much bigger than that to me. Right. It's just very complex. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to show vulnerability. Everyone's like, dude, like you got to stop, you know, telling people that you're not doing so well and this, this and that. And I'm just like, at the end of the day, man, I'm, I, I'm just being honest. And for the reason, for, for the reason being is because, you know, primarily that person that's not getting the Andiamo experience, I don't want them to walk in, get a shitty experience and walk out and being like, why did that? Happen? Absolutely. You know Trans I mean? Transparency keeps you out a lot of shit. Completely. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's better to be transparent and honest of the situation that we were currently in over the last couple of months, uh, than to kind of, you know, pretend everything's fine yeah. while, while the fire is being put out. Right. Yeah. You mentioned the, uh, Andiamo experience. What, uh, for anyone that has not been in, uh, and I will be, my mom has been cutting my hair forever and, and, uh, She's always rushing it. So I'm done. I'm retiring my mom. So I'm probably well, that's the beauty of Andiamo. Too, I'm, right? I'm like, like going to come to you. So, but what is, what is the Andiamo experience? 
Well, I think I think you kind of nailed it w- with the fact that you said that your mom's been cutting your hair for so long. That the whole the whole idea behind Andiamo is that you don't even have to come get a haircut to. to I to, love it to, to to love the the experience. Right. I love like, it. Yeah. We have we have some of the best craft beers, um, you know, in the province as far as craft breweries go. Like we sell Blood Brothers, we sell Balladine, we sell. Um, you know, um, Bellwoods, we sell Collective Arts, uh, a Peroni if you just want something light, right? So um, you can literally come in, have a few beers. Um, We also do our our jazz nights twice a month. Yep. Um, We do our art galleries twice a month, right? So if you're a local artist and you want to showcase your work. I saw Tanya from, uh, yeah. That's right. Steel Town doing that. We charge you nothing. You come and you take over our entire space with your artwork, set up easels, bring your friends. Um, There's no entrance fee at the door. Um, and people just come in and enjoy the space, right? So, like, so you're, you're creating an open door, open space, right. safe place. That's ex- exactly. I right. love it, and that's and that's another reason why um, we designed it the way that we did. It's not your typical kind of like boys' club barber shop, right? right? We made it colorful. We made it bright. We made it very inviting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a pretty interesting story. Um, when I was when I was in the process of building out the space. Um, I'll preface this by saying that I, I probably have 40, 40 to 50% of my clientele is part of the LGBTQ community. Right? Okay. So um, when I was building the space, I had some people coming in while, while, you know, the parchment paper was up. We weren't fully open yet, but they were my regulars that have been supporting me. So, you know, I, cu- I was still cutting hair, right? And I have a gentleman um, who's part of that community um, come in and we were kind of just like having a very candid conversation. And um, he, he, he kind of just stopped me and said, you know what, Dre, like I've, I've never felt comfortable in a barbershop environment mm. um, just because it's, it's, it's generally like from what you would see in the old school days, not so much now, but it's generally like a lot of misogyny, a lot hyper masculine. Like, yeah. yeah. Like very much like flex your chest kind of thing. You know what I mean? And, and I've experienced that too. And I'm yeah. sure you have yeah. and, and whatever, but I've never seen it from that lens. Right. Um, obviously being a straight white man, like I, I, I wouldn't. Right. Interesting. Um, so it kind of just really, changed my perspective about almost the entire thing Hmm. right and i said you know we can't we can't be that space right right? and 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 i even personally get uncomfortable when i'm in a barber shop and you know the barber next to me is talking to his buddy about you know who he slept with the night before or whatever you know it's just it's just kind of like an icky like it's like a poker table totally right and um and i couldn't have it i couldn't have it be that way um especially because it hits close to home because a lot of my clientele is primarily uh, within that community, right? So we we just made the space very inviting for everybody to come Right on, by. man. Yeah, and I think just I, I placed a lot of importance on that. Being hi- sure. hyper-intentional about culture. I mean, like, you know, I mean, that's really cool. I, that's that's not, really not much to say other than that's very cool. To uh, There's so many things to consider when you're establishing your first foray to the world. And uh, that's a that's a huge consideration. So I'm I'm curious. You said forty to fifty percent of your business comes from that particular demographic. How did that happen? Was that just organic happenstance, or like you know? I think I mean, uh, I, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, possibly, um, I, I'm assuming word of mouth. You okay. know what I mean? Um, somebody feels comfortable in the chair. Uh, you know, it's, it's very likely that, um, they've gone around and said, Hey, like you have to go to this barber shop. There's, there's no nonsense. You know what I mean? Like it's very comfortable. Um, he always gives me a great cut. Right um, but it's an intimate act as well though. I mean, you, sure. to, to, to groom someone, totally. That is an intimate act. You're physically touching. Absolutely. Someone, right? Just, just like feeding some, putting something in their body. Right. Uh, Lydia Bastinac, who's uh, Joe Bastinac's mother. She's, um, she's like, you know, matriarch of Italian cooking in the States. 
Uh, she's been in every show, yada, yada, yada. She said, next to, next to making love to someone, feeding someone is the most intimate act. For sure. You're putting food in their body. For sure. And it nourishes them. And so, like, I think um, too many people don't realize the weight of what their, the work of their hands actually means to people who are on the other side of the service. Right. And uh, that's, that's huge. I love that you know that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think it's important too, for sure. Yeah. And you're very, you mean, you're, you're by no means, uh, you know, a young inexperienced person, but you're not 60, but you have a wisdom beyond your years. I can tell that you, um, like me, I was, you know, I was nine years old going on 50 talking with adults, but like, I, I understood, uh, the human need for certain things and was like able to address that. And I, yeah, I, I can th- sense that. I think, I think that might come from, you know, the expe- extensive experience I've had in multiple industries. Right. Okay, let's camp on that because um, if you look back at my story, I, I would come across as a flake because I've done everything. Right. But so have I. Yeah, totally. But I can have a conversation about almost anything because I know a little bit about a lot. Exactly. Because I've done that. My my wife always says she's like, you know, so much. Yeah. Like almost useless useless shit but (laughs) but when you're when you're standing over at the hors d'oeuvre table at a christmas party and you don't know the person man like you can you can chew the fat but yeah but that is what tending bar tending attending a barber chair totally is all about man and that's the thing too like i was a bartender for like most of my life right right? and it's kind of uh, like you said like you 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 kind of pick up on so many different yes things um that nobody generally would give a shit about if you were just having that conversation about one specific topic with mm-hmm. one person. But you know, if you kind of like sprinkle that, like those little bits of knowledge, yeah. you know, what I mean? absolutely it's, being it's relatable, totally. being relatable is totally. huge. I, um, I always, I always boast about my, my three year tenure in, in Toronto. I was, I was the manager at dark horse espresso on cool. Queen street. Yep, and uh, I always say that uh, I got my PhD in front of house doing that job because right. where we were the, from the celebrity that would come in because of where we were in the city to just the regulars um, making an impact with a complete stranger within 30 seconds. By the time they order their Americano and it's pulled and the shots there and they go, you got them totally. And um, the amount of being invited to weddings, uh, dinner parties, like just from a, com- a complete stranger. And I just got so good at um, getting inside people's psyche and Toronto's bravado. I always say Toronto is like a big high school hallway. Everyone trying totally. to walks, walks hard. Right. Yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. just people trying to like, you know, survive. And, right. and, and I was, I was able to kind of like cut through that bullshit, but um, it was kind of like my, my grad school experience of front of house. And it's, it's still serving me to, to this day. So bartending, same thing for you. Yeah. Where were you attending bar? Uh, all over the Everywhere? place, man. Yeah. All over the place. Were you doing like craft cocktails or were you like slinging beers or everything? No, or mainly what? just like, you know, the whole Ryan ginger, okay. rum and Coke kind of thing. Right. Um, mainly like club atmospheres. Um, you know, my first bartending job was at like Jack Astor's. Okay. You know okay. what I mean? <laughs> Everyone's got to be getting yeah, Exactly. Right. And, and that was the thing. That was the thing too. It's like, you kind of, you kind of learn how to build rapport with people so quickly. Um, actually, and I, and I, and I always touch back on, on Apple, the, the, the most influential experience behind a bar for me was the genius bar. Mm. And, uh, the reason being is 
at the genius bar as a, as a genius for those who <laughs> for those it's so it's so ridiculous uh. to say but for those of you who don't know um an, an apple genius is essentially a technician we, we we deal with all the shit all the broken computers so is that what you're called a genius like a sandwich artist at subway pretty they, much okay yeah, wow yeah. <laughs> okay yeah so right. the, the, the the geniuses right okay. um but the interesting part about that job was um every single person you see every day hates the fact that they're seeing you Great point. You know what I mean. Yeah. So if you if 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 I walk into the store with a broken phone, yeah, you're pissed. I'm I'm you're the I'm the first person that you look at. Yeah. Right. And not only that, but as as the genius, you're working on an appointment structure that's every 15 minutes. Right. You know, every hour every, within 15 minutes. Right. So I had to I had to somehow hmm. you know change th- this person's experience from I fucking hate this company. Yeah. To walk out the door saying. I fucking love this. Wow. Within 15 minutes, every single day, all day. Dre, that is freaking gold. And anybody who's thinking about the service industry needs to rewind that if they're listening and camp there. I, I actually love fuck ups totally in this industry because, and I, and I always surprise my staff when they see something go wrong Mm -hmm. and see it go right really quick. I'm like, great, watch this. And it's like, dude, uh, meals on the house, uh, here's five pastries. What can I get you to drink? Coffee, coffee, coffee. Um, all right. And here's a card next time you come in. No problem. And they're right. like, Oh my God, thank you so much. It's not about boosting my, my ego, but it's like, it's seriously an opportunity to win them more than just having a good meal. Totally. And, and, and you mentioning that that was kind of something that we called, uh, we wanted to turn everybody into a promoter. Right. right. So, so what, what can you do for that person so they can not only walk out happy, yep. but then tell their yes. friends about the experience. Absolutely. Right? And I've always thought like, I mean, there's a few business owners that I've, that I've spoken to before and you know, they, they'll tell you like, never comp shit, never comp shit, never comp shit. And I disagree like, 100%. And I 100% also disagree. Yep. Um, and, and like I said, like I, I learned that from, from, from Apple to a certain extent, it's kind of like you, you do what you have to do to make that person happy yeah. so that when they leave your door, they don't talk shit about your business. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and if that's a $5 investment for me, a $10 investment for me, so be it. You yep. know what I mean? That's going to bring 20, 30, $40 yes. into the door. I say to my staff, say, listen, I'm going to give you, uh, every, every week I'm going to, I'm going to let you comp three people. Right. Choose. Totally. And, and use it wisely, but make a believer out of people. 100%. If I see someone waiting out, you know, cause we we're tiny man and we're busy and there's a wait list. And, and if I see someone, you know, cresting 20 minutes, I'm like, go run this coffee and this cookie to this person. Right. And it's like, and it's just like, it's as easy. And, and let's camp here too. Like one thing that dark horse taught me was we would have lineups of 30 people. Right. And it's like, no one wants to wait in line, no. but if you're playing Led Zeppelin, right. Right. Volume. Right. And you go, hey, man, thank you so much for, for your patience, dude. Like, we see you. We're coming. And suddenly they start bopping to the music. They're not just waiting in line. And it's like, it's so easy yeah. if you know how to do and, it. And even as easy as, as, as a simple check-in, like you yes. said, hey, hey, man, like just we're going to be a couple yeah. minutes. Just, just make sure that you know that they're there. But it's right? hard to teach that. Like, you can, it, I would say 50% of people will retain that lesson. Right. Some people will just never get it. And it's, and it, it's so painful when, but when you see someone who comes by it naturally, right. it's like, thank you, God. Like in, in my mind, I feel like that's just like customer service Absolutely. one-on-one. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Um, Are you like me where you look at old um, maitre d's at steakhouses, like New York steakhouses, or, or just like old staunch service guys and go, what a rock star. 
Yeah, totally. Just guys that hundred percent that just like man, they're just like watch watch him fold that napkin. Yeah, and and and, and not only that, but like the resilience oh. in their their entire structure. Is Absolutely, just like, it's 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 almost like watching it like watching a dance. It's about. I was <laughs> gonna say it's a ballet. Totally, I love I, it. And I think you have to. Uh, we're we're not normal. I think it's it's a niche thing. It's like it's like guys who collect you know racing boats, right? Service guys who love service love service. Totally. And uh, I'm a kind of an old soul and I like, I'm a traditionalist and I just love like, I'm going to make you feel like royalty. Right. I'm, I'm getting like emotional thinking about it. There's, there's a, I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's, it's an Italian movie, won uh, Academy Award, Life is Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And of his, his, his uncle, when he's teaching him how to be a waiter, created, created the most perfect analogy of what being a, ser- uh, not, a ser- not a slave, but a servant. It said, uh, the sunflower nods to the sun. It doesn't bow. And, I, and he's like, we're not slaves, we're servants. And I'm like, that's perfect. Yeah, I want to be a servant. Like, yeah. the back of the house and, 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 and making their experience out front is like the place to be. 100%. Now, how do you, how, you know, touching on that topic, how do you feel that... You know, not only not only the actual service industry, but the perception of the service industry has changed over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you have a lot of service staff here, and and obviously, um, you know, we're we're going through some shit where I, maybe not you, but a lot of people are understaffed and 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 they're struggling to keep people. Their people don't want to work. Yeah, um, that's a new thing, eh? And the, exactly, the I know, new not working crazy? thing. But what? So what? I mean, as far as the expectation of the public, have you seen that it's been a little bit different within these times? Like, are they still expecting? Um, the first disclaimer I'll say is because I have two kids at home and I've been keeping my wife supported and sane by being home as much as possible. Right. I'm not in the front lines here anymore. Right. So um, I can't really speak to that, but I, I am concerned I think people are, are still haven't given up on the concept of being served properly, but I think we've all had a very long recess stuck outside of the school and, and begrudgingly gotten used to um, box, food in boxes and expedited service experience. Where, right. And uh, I think people are, are waiting for the other shoe to fall before they can really believe that maybe this is bullshit's over and we can actually start being taken care of again as normal human beings. Right. I, I think it's both end. I think that, I think that they're shell shocked mm. and scarred, but I think that they'll, um, they'll come back to being allowed, allowing themselves to be served and expecting service again. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Now have you like, have you had that conversation with your staff? With staff? Um, yes, we have. Um, I, you know, I came in in the first couple months of, of the, of the pandemic and like the chairs were stacked and the tables were pushed to the side and it was bleak, man. We were just basically yeah. a ghost, a ghost kitchen. I know. The whole and I'm like, was Nope, brutal, yeah. Nope, we're not doing this. In fact, I'm going to paint the walls. Mm-hmm. I'm going to repair everything that needed to get repaired. I'm bringing flowers in. We're going to turn all the lights on and we're going to play the, the best music that we can curate. No problem. Well, I and, remember, I remember, sorry to interject no, here, no. but I remember, um, coming in one day with my wife and my kid. And I remember meeting you for the first time. Here. Okay. Was I at the bar sitting? You were just chilling here. Yeah. Right on. And uh, you approached me and you said, Hey man, like I know you from somewhere. And I told you about on Jamo and you're like, yeah, totally. But I mean, you fast forward. Um, 
you told me, and I remember you said this with, with a lot of pride, you said, Hey man, like today's the first day that we're serving we're serving on plates again. Dude, I remember telling you, remember you that. that. <laughs> yes. That was a big deal, man. Totally. Yeah. And, and when you and when you said that, I, I it resonated with me, right obviously, on. because I said to myself, I'm like, damn, I'm like, this guy gives a shit. You yeah, know what I, I mean? love it. Yeah. I love totally. it. I had staff here, man, that that uh, did their whole duration with me, never knowing what our food looked like on a plate. Right. Which and, is crazy. I'm like, this is not why I signed up for this. This no. is this is bullshit. Totally. Because like I'm a I'm an Italian grandmother. It's like Come, just give me a little time and right. I'm going to give you the world. Right. right. Exactly. And uh, I couldn't do that. I, I mean, I could do it in a measured way. Right. But it's just like, man, St. James is not a, is not a disposable box. Right. And that's, and that touching back on what I said about Andiamo when we were, when we were missing Max, right? Right. Like, this is not what Andiamo is. No. Right. Yeah. And, and I can see you kind of going through that same, yes. that same thing with the those same. same, those same thoughts and those same doubts. Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of mm-hmm. just like. Uh, I think that out of out of being in the service industry throughout this pandemic, kind of sacrificing your brand and your structure yes. is the most heartbreaking it thing, is. It right? Is. Because you have this you have this dream in your mind that you're that you're perfectly executing what when times are normal, and then you have to sacrifice that. Dude, People, yeah, it's crazy. I, I got an email from one of my regulars. His name's Conrad. He's a like a big shot uh, Remax guy. You look, right. he's got like he owns the all the markets in Canada. He's nuts. Um, wealthy man, sweetheart, a staunch regular. He would start, he was the only guy that made me feel like I was running a European operation. He'd come and stand at the bar and have his Cortado. Nice. Shoot the shit every day. Nice. And he disappeared when the pandemic hit and it, it, it hit him hard. And I just heard from him two years later, goes, Rocky, I've missed you. It's been too long. I'm working on something I'd love to tell you, I'd love to talk to you about. But it was like this two years, Knocked the shit out of everybody. Everyone, and it took man. creature comforts and flushed them down the toilet. And I saw that with regulars that I loved. Guys, that, yeah. men that would bring their his full-grown son and have the same bacon and eggs on toast. He bought my son, Sam, um, a brand new uh, catcher's mitt when he found out I had a baby born. Like... Where'd that go? Those, those, yeah, those relationships that you build, man, like yeah. they're just, they're so powerful, right? Um, and then, and then for something to kind of come in and, and, and kind of like almost, almost strip that. And, yeah. and it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. Man. It is. It sucks. And because, you know, some people don't care. Some people like, oh, this is, you know, I can get, I can get used to this. Well, that's the thing, right? Like every single person seeing it from a different lens, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that's kind of like everyone, everyone always asks me, like I have conversations about COVID, I'd like to say a hundred times a day. You know what I mean? Especially in the chair, everyone's dealing with shit their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in the, in the chair, it's kind of like one of those things where, as you know, from the barber culture, it's kind of like almost like a safe space to kind of like yeah. voice your, yeah. it's like, it's like a, you know, to the, to the, uh, uh, it's it's almost like a therapy session, right? Without saying one hundred percent, right? Yeah. Um, now, where was I getting at here? <laughs> so, as far as the everyone sees it from a different lens, like everyone always asks me, they're like, "Which side are you on?" Like, mm. you know what I mean? But it's kind of like I've always been like in the middle. You know what I mean? As 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 far as experiencing it from a business owner's perspective and like, you know, being in the shits, I can also see how it is appealing to those people that aren't losing a paycheck and they're almost making more money and they're getting to stay at right. home with their kids. Right. And they're getting to sit, sit at their computers all day. They don't have to commute an hour to Toronto. That was me for a year. Totally. Yeah. And that's like, that, that seems extremely appealing to me if I was in that position. Sure. So it's kind of like, 
you see people online kind of discrediting everyone's opinion saying like, no, you're wrong. I'm right. No, you're wrong. I'm right. But it's like, what's right is your own perspective. Really? Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't really judge how somebody's feeling based on your own personal perspective because they see it a different way than you do. That, that person that's making, you know, $120,000 a year sitting at his, you know, in his den, in his living room, right. In his pajamas, like he's not going to see it the same way as, you know, the small business owner that's yeah. like struggling to keep the door open. Yep. Right. In his mind, he's like, this is a fucking dream yeah. to me. You yeah. know, what's on Netflix. And, and then, yeah. And, and, and me being the business owner, I can't blame him because mm-hmm. if I was in his situation, I'd be doing the exact 100%. same thing. hundred percent. You know what I mean? So yeah. I've always been at the beginning of this, I was always like, rah, rah, like I'm on this side, I'm on this side until I started talking to more people. Right. Right. And then once I started talking to more people and I've seen how their lives have changed right. because of this right. for the positive, right. I'm just like, okay, like I can understand why you see the appeal. You know what I mean? Like they'll never see it from my perspective because they're not in it the same way I am. Reality is a very subjective thing. Totally. Can you, so let's, let's camp there. Um, you know, I, I've always been proud to be Canadian. And then this last mm. two years has made me like be very concerned to be Canadian. Right. And um, it's the first time in my life and likely since the World War II generation where um, there are definitive sides totally. and highly politicized, totally. uh, heated debates and heated positions and perspectives right and um the middle is definitely safe and it it tested my position to go i know that i have a responsibility to be professional as a service guy right and not get into it with people right right the the old adage of never discuss sex politics and religion exactly bartenders right for sure but but things were getting so and, and and still are so concerning that I started wondering if I was um, less of a man or right. a, a fake if I didn't start defending a position. Right. It almost kind of puts you in a situation where it's like, especially having kids, right? right. It's like when they look back on this moment in history yes. and they ask you what you did to make a change, right? where do you want to stand? So how, right. yeah, so how has that affected you as a person basically talking to humans of, of every creed and color mm-hmm. across multiple spectrums? during the most turbulent times since, you know, the Watts riots in the sixties, what, how have you navigated that? At the end of the day, um, I have a lot of conversations with my wife about this kind of stuff and like where I should stand and what I should do. Um, I think, I think business owner Dre is very, um, you know, keeps it very kind of conservative in a sense where he doesn't want to choose sides. And, and at the end of the day, you know, weighing out that kind of cost benefit analysis, everything, everything that I'm doing today, um, is, is, is completely prioritizing my business, right? My business is my kid's future. My business is my future. Everything that every, everything that I do day to day, um, is prioritizing my business. And as a business owner, I've kind of had to sit on the fence a little bit with my opinion, just because, because you're asking to get canceled real quick. Totally. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's kind of the world we live in and, and you know, for good reason uh, for the most part, but it, it essentially, regardless of that fact, um, I, I choose to put my business first. Mm-hmm. And if that means that, you know, I might have to sit on the sidelines for a few certain situations, I'm going to do that because, because my, my, 
what what benefits me is the fact that my business is going to continue operating and I create a legacy for my son. You know what I mean? So I try to, I try to stay away from, you know, the very, um, uh, you know, conflicting opinions, hot topics, the hot topics. I think that's wisdom. Right. If, you know, if, if I didn't have the business might be a different story, right. Might voice my opinions a little bit more, might be a little bit more, um, you know, active with my voice and, and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, do you, do you want to be looked at by your son as somebody that was, you know, fighting a political battle, um, to, to create justice for whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're that side that you're on, or do you want to know your father as somebody that, you know, um, was resilient enough to survive a pandemic and, and now has this amazing business that he's able to service amazing people yeah. with. And, and, and it's, it survived through all that. Right. That's, yeah. that's how I want him to see me. Right. right so that's where, that's where I kind of stand. And my wife always challenges me and says, you know, is this the hill you want to die on? Exactly. And I'm like, exactly. no, right. Exactly. I'll wait till the right one. Totally. totally. Um, it's tough, man. But it's, it's a slippery really scale. It's like, tough. will I ever find that hill? Because I'm always, you know, but uh, you mentioned the word legacy, <clears throat> excuse me. And that's something I like asking people under the right circumstances. Um, I'll start my, the, the legacy I want for my children is first of all, to know that dad loved them like no other human could ever love them. Right. Without a doubt. Dad loved them perfectly. Now, of course, mistakes are going to be there, but like my grandmother, Jesse, loved me perfectly right to the point where I didn't even weep at her funeral because I was so full mm-hmm. of what she gave me. Right. And I can see and feel her echoing in my words and in my moments movements with my children. She's right. still alive. I'm sorry. I'm going on a huge tangent here, but no, it's great. A uh, legacy of love firstly for my children. Um, and I want them to know that dad always was always an artist and always fought to keep getting better and pursue his passions because totally. I want them to do the same thing. Exactly. Um, and then obviously in terms of objective business, I want to have a legacy of uh, a restaurant that when someone's a child, they bring their fiance in 25 years later and go, man, you got to try this. Like Bronzies and right. James Street. <laughs> like, dude, I, I grew yeah. up at Bronzies. Yeah, so like that, Capri or something. Those, yeah. those kind of things. But for you, what, what, is, um, what does legacy mean? I think you kind of nailed it with, um, you know, making sure that, uh, your, your, your kids can kind of look at you and say, okay, like dad, I mean, we'll go, we'll go back to saying, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of touch on how and why I respect my dad so much. Love right. So my dad was a professional photographer. So this is the guy that was raised by, you know, immigrant Italians in the fifties, grew up downtown Hamilton, North end. Um, all of his, all of his buddies were getting into construction all of his buddies were getting into, you know, like small business owning and all, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, as far as like skilled trades was a big one for that generation. He chose right? art, he chose art, man. And he raised chose, a family. He chose art and he raised a family Amazing. and he kind of went against, um, you, you know, the norm for his generation of kids. Right. He, he picked up a camera. He loved what he did. Right on. He woke up every single day and never hated a moment of it. And, uh, yeah, and that, and, and I'll always respect and, and remember him for that reason. Right. Awesome. And that's kind of what, you, what you touched on, um, making sure that, you know, your kids know that dad put a lot of passion into everything right. that he did a lot of, you know, uh, he, he was, he was a creative person, yes. you know, like stuff like that. Yes. I want, I want my son to remember me that way. I don't want my son to know me as somebody that kind of like punched a clock every single right. day. And kind of just woke up at the same time every single day, saw the same people every mm-hmm. single day, mm-hmm. um, and complained about everything every single day. You know what I mean? That's not that's not what I want um, for him to see me as. Yeah. 
And I always thought it was so cool, you know, going to my dad's dark room and in my oh, dad's yeah. studio. Like nobody's dad had oh, I love this it. shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, I used to go to, the, go to school and brag to my friends. Like, you know, like my dad takes a picture. It's like from his camera, he brings it into this dark, crazy room. And like all of these amazing photos come out. Like, and everyone else was just like, oh yeah, like my dad works at DeFasco. There's nothing wrong with that. It's an amazing profession. Yeah. Um, to be able to kind of persevere through going against the grain like that, yeah. and that especially in that generation, yes. within that demographic graphic of people how old your dad um he's 65 okay yeah. yeah so that would have been a big deal right yeah. big deal big deal right um and that's kind of just what i want my son to, to to see me as right yeah um i wasn't just pushing papers for somebody in right? the sense I was of creating my i was creating yes. my own path a sense of adventure too like totally. so my whole family is entrepreneurial Right. No one works for anybody. They all own their own things. And uh, they're pretty spontaneous, pretty reckless, uh, and in a fun way. Uh, but my, it all started with my grandfather, who was, the, who was the patriarch barber as well. But he was always exploring, discovering, and, right. and um, instilled a sense of adventure for his kids. And that's part of his legacy. Let's talk about fatherhood. Yeah, man. Greatest thing on earth. It's fantastic. Anytime I see someone about to have a kid, I'm like, do you get ready for the best first two years of your life like oh, i mean incredible. and the whole thing is so you got one one little boy i got the one boy yeah he's uh he's just about to be about 15 months he's now. a cutie patootie yeah he's cute man he's uh and i mean his character's starting to build every single day right, right. you start seeing him you know react to things he gives back a lot more right. you know what i mean he's kind of in that personality his personality is there um, he talks a shit ton, but doesn't say actual words <laughs> you know what I mean? gibberish like yeah. it's cool it's cool to kind of see that um uh, come out through him and uh, it's it, you, you can already tell um, that he's like the perfect mixture of like my wife and I as yeah. far as like attitude I love you it. know what I mean yeah. um, so do you so you genuinely enjoy it I enjoy it I mean it tests you don't get for sure and I'm sure I'm sure you know yeah. um, I think I think primarily the biggest test for me is um, um, you know trying to understand what my relationship dynamic looks like with my wife going forward right, right. Um, because now you, you you take um people that were both you know single and well not single but we were married but we didn't have a kid right um and we had jobs that we loved and it was very much like check into work check out and you have your own time yeah right? now it's together yeah yeah now it's kind of just like one person has a business that he's running 24 seven. The other person's back to work now, nine to five. We have opposite days off. Like she's, oh. off, she's off Saturday, Sunday. I'm off Monday, Tuesday. So it's like, where do we make, where do we make time for each other? And, fight. and where do we compromise on, you know, when she wants to do something for herself and when I want to do right. something for myself, I think that was the biggest challenge, um, in fatherhood. It wasn't even just like raising the baby's easy. You know what I mean? For, yeah. for now, at least like he doesn't really do much. He just wants to play, walk around and, yep. and whatever. Um, he, he requires, um, very little effort. What requires the most effort is, uh, uh, your relationship between your wife and yourself, the paradigm shift. Totally. Yeah. And you, and you totally learn, things about each other that you didn't know about each other, mm. right? Good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I think that's the most interesting part of being a new parent is the dynamic between your, your wife and yourself. Absolutely. Right? Um, and you obviously, like when you go through and you persevere through, through, through situations like this, you become stronger as a couple, which is great. Um, some people don't, which is fine, but we've been doing great with it. Um, and yeah, that's, it's, it's been interesting, man. It is, it is, it's, it is interesting. That's a, that's an understatement. How many years did you guys have, uh, together as a married couple before the baby? Uh, less than one. 
Oh my God, it's just, it's me and my wife, same thing. Yeah, we were together, we were married nine months and Lauren uh, surprised me with a pregnancy test. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, I, you know, and, I, and, I, and so I don't regret a damn thing right. because, I, you know, I was 37 when I got married. Like, dude, I came to everything late. And I'm like, I don't want to be 90 years old. My kids graduate. Like, it's got to happen sooner than later, totally. right? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we didn't even get to learn each other, you know, right. in, in, in multiple uh, areas. And um, just as we were thinking about getting settled in, it was family time. Right. And so I, I mourn for the lost time that my wife and I could have had to learn each other. Totally. I have friends, the majority of my friends on average were together for five years before they had a kid. I know. Lauren, Lauren's parents were 20 years married before they yeah, had her. Yeah, mine were 10. Yeah, yeah. so, um, but it, it's it's worked out, but it's, um, I feel you. Yeah. How yeah. long were you guys together before you got married? Uh, we got together uh, July 2015. We were married September uh, 2019. Okay. And then uh, March 2020, we found out she was pregnant as soon as they... Like pretty much like a week after they announced the the global pandemic. Oh man! Um, we found out we were having a kid. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're COVID everything. Every experience Dude, you've gone through has my been... whole life is COVID. Wow. Man. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so yeah, it was interesting, man. It was like we we. It, it's funny because my thirtieth birthday in July, a couple months before my, our wedding, uh, my wife surprised me with this amazing gift. It was. Uh, it was a trip to Europe. Uh, she enrolled me in the Vidasa Soon Academy. Really? In London, yeah. Wow. Um, from there, we were going to go to Switzerland. Um, and then from there, we were going to go to Italy, right? That was kind of like, wow, we, didn't take, we didn't take a honeymoon, so that was like our honeymoon, okay. right? Um, and then I went from- Nice wife. Oh, there's Kyle there. <laughs> you know everybody. Whenever we do podcasts here, everyone, every everyone guest is like, someone. hey man, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that being said, we went from, you know, being excited for this trip after our wedding and, you know, you know scrounging our pennies together and like making sure that every, everything was set up. We were supposed to go uh, at the end of March 2020. Oh, frig. Right? So what happened was instead of that happening, that was canceled. And then all of a sudden we're just like, oh, never mind. Um, we're in a pandemic and we have a kid on the way. Wow. And we've never been on a trip since. Wow. <laughs> so that sucks. I man. mean, that was the situation we're in, but what came from that was, you know, our beautiful son right. and my business. Yep. Right. I, I, I mean, I always tell people if it wasn't for COVID on wouldn't exist. Right. If it wasn't for me kind of well, taking, why is that? Because it wasn't for me taking that time away from the situation that I was in before, right. um, within like the shop that I was in and whatever. I would have never been able to reevaluate my life. Wow. Right. So I kind of like, it allowed me to kind of take a step back, say, what is it really that I want to do with this? Do I want to just cut hair, you know, punch in, punch out, cut hair every single day. And like, that's it, make a living out of that. Or mm -hmm. do I want to create something of my own? Um, and, and I came to the point where I said to myself, you know what? I think I want to do this myself. I want to make a business. I want to, I want to, I want to build a brand. I want to, I want to, you know, create jobs for people. Right I want to, that, that, that's, that's where I wanted to go with it. And within the lockdowns, actually, I was shown the space on George street by a friend of mine. So we were going out for coffee one day cause we were bored. And it was like one of those times where, you know, you weren't, you weren't allowed to like hang out with people, right. but like you could get something to go and like hang out at a park and like sit on different benches, like that kind of shit. Living behind the iron <laughs> you know, wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we did that and he showed me George street and I'm like, dude, you know what? Fuck it. Like I'm going to do it. Like, let's just do it. I told nobody about it. I told nobody I was doing it other than my wife and my family. 
because I have this kind of track record of saying I'm going to do something with. I'm like the I'm like I'm like the guy with so many ideas. Ideas, yeah, you're the idea guy. Yeah, and yeah. like I always want to do shit, and then a lot of times like I execute it very poorly, um, just because I have another idea that I'm trying to yeah. execute. So this time, my wife and I kind of agreed. You know, not going to tell anybody I'm doing this. That's a huge thing. Deciding to keep it somehow it becomes more real. And totally. when it, when you keep and I, I've made that mistake a hundred times. But For when sure. you're in, when you're entrepreneurial and you're a creative, you have thirty really good ideas that for if sure. you had the funds behind you, you could make it work. One hundred percent. I will say this for COVID. COVID uh, birthed um, reinvention right. in people. Yeah. Even businesses totally. where like, okay, I'm going to become a bottle shop. Yeah. I'm going to sell wedges of cheese in my fridge and start making sausage and, and becoming a grocer. 100%, man. And there was a part of me that really resented the fact that chefs had to dilute their original concept and, and do this other thing. But right. I know I have friends that are in the industry that don't even do what they were doing before COVID. They've, they've switched their business over to the new thing. Right. And so that's neat. You yeah. Know? Necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing. Um, barbering. Why barbering and not hairstyling per se? Why don't you tell us the difference? I mean, I'm sure it's, it sounds like an easy concept, but but you know, why why did you choose working with men versus unisex and all that? So, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of my clients are also female, mm-hmm. but um, they get like barber style haircuts. Cool. I, I try I try to to shy away from saying you know, men's cut versus women's cut because everyone wears their hair every way nowadays, yeah. right? Um, but the, the the general difference between hairstyling and barbering is, you know, I always I always tell people it's, it's funny because they come in and they're just like, oh man, like I've been going to the same hairstylist forever. And like, you know, she's been doing my hair for, you know, t- the last, since I was like five or six years old, but she just can't nail the fade. She just can't nail mm. the fade. And I'm like, yeah, man, because you're, you're you know, you're going you're going to an orthodontist for a cleaning. You know right, what I mean? Like right. that's kind of like you're working on the same thing, but you have completely different skills, right? That's good. Um, where, you know, if you're in the hair industry, as like the hairstyling industry, um, you're very well equipped with the resources to, you know, work on long hair, um, a lot of, a lot of chemical procedures, a lot of perming, um, a lot of, a lot of things that are outside of the scope of just clippers and scissors, right? Um, barbering, you're creating more structured shapes, more right. structured cuts. Right. A lot, a lot of it's more close to the skin. Um, you Very, know, you're doing, you're doing a lot of shaves. Um, you're doing a lot of, um, you know, bald fades, uh, taper fades, you know, um, and, and, and they kind of combine in a sense as well. Um, it, it, it all kind of come to, comes down to the scissor work. I, I, I see the best barbers in the industry, um, that, you know, they, they've kind of mastered the skills in women's hairstyling and have segued to the barber industry because a lot of times you see these barbers like come out of their basements doing a fucking amazing fade. I know some of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. But they, but they can't do shit with scissors on the top of the head. I love scissors. I was a cutter. Totally. You love cutting. I love cutting. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you're, that's why, you know, my mentor at architect, his name's Kyle. Um, he was amazing because he was a hairstylist first. You know okay. what I mean? He did his apprenticeship in a hair salon right on. and then he came, he came out and he started doing men's hair primarily. And now he only does men's hair, but I've, I've never seen anybody work with scissors. Like I've seen him work with scissors. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, like we went before when you see somebody in the service industry and you see like how they're, how they're hitting like every nail on the right. head, you know what right. I mean? And it's almost like watching a dance. It's something to behold. 
Totally. Yeah. Like when I used to see him cut hair and I used to see him to get to the top of the person's head, mm. I've never seen other barbers do it like he did. You know what I mean? And that's kind of, that's who just walked through this. Oh, I was going to yeah. say, was that him? Right <laughs> that on. was him. Yeah. Right yeah. And, um, and I've always respected somebody with that skill set. Oh, we're in Hamilton. Oh, there you go. We're on James Let's Street. Go. <laughs> and I've always, I've always respected somebody that came from a hairstyling background and went into the barber industry. Rochelle, for example, one of our barbers, mm-hmm. she has like 10 years more experience than me in the industry. Right on. You know, um, she's amazing with longer to medium style haircuts, right? So um, what we saw through COVID was a lot of people were keeping their hair longer, right? So a lot of people that come into the barbershop now are just like, oh man, I grew this through COVID. Kind of just want to maintain it and clean cool. it up. You know, somebody like me, who's very well versed with clippers and short fades and all that kind of stuff. I'm always just like, dude, you want to see Rochelle, man. Like you don't want to see me. Kudos to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's, and, and that's, that goes back to providing the person the best experience. Yes. If some, if I have somebody on my staff, that's better than me at a yep. certain thing, I'm totally going to give them the best experience. Dude, it's so easy. For you, it could be so easy for you to be insecure and proud and go, no, fuck that. She, that's no. my, no. And, and that's no. that dude. That's great. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Cause that's uh, that's a, that's a bigness of character for sure. I mean, why, if I, if I walked into a barbershop, I would want somebody to do that for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of just the way that I look at it. Um, I look at everything from the consumer level. As you should. Like everything. As I, you should. Everything that I do within Andiamo, I always think to myself, what would I want to see if I walked into an establishment? I love it. Because with all of my experience in certain different fields of work, I've, I've experienced how, how things operate mm-hmm. in so many different ways. I've experienced, you know, the customer's, um, um, you know, perception of certain aspects of, of certain businesses and how that looks and how, us, uh, you know, c- customer success looks in so many different fields. Right. And I, I always say to myself, okay, if I'm walking into this place, how would I expect it to be from the consumer perspective? And I kind of just try to drive that. Dre right? Bucci, do, do details matter? Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. Everything, attention to detail. Like I see a piece of lint on my cash desk right now and it's driving me up the wall. Totally. And, and it- that's, the thing, that's the thing that you said, like how is it being a boss, right? right. Yeah. And uh, I remember constantly I'm coming into these situations where I'm just like, fuck, like there's like, there's hair on that, on that seat. Right. Like, how do I keep reiterating this? And how like, do you how, not see that? Yeah. And like, how do I, how do I keep driving this so that like it, it makes an impact and without looking like a dickhead. That's the hardest, man. Cooking food's easy. It's totally. It's, it's people. Totally. It's, 100%. it's the biggest challenge you'll ever have is staff. And it's, uh, I don't know if I've won more than failed with my staff. It, it's, 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 it's so tough. I mean, the good thing now, I'm very grateful because I've been winning this whole time with my staff. Awesome. I haven't had an experience once where I've said to myself, um, we have the wrong person for the job here. Wicked. You know what I mean? And, and I'm very grateful for that. And if one thing has come out as a, success, as a success from this whole endeavor with opening a business during a pandemic, it's who I've hired. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know I can depend on them and they're amazing people and they're a great team. That's an art form, hiring, Total, hiring well. Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, the, and I just got lucky, man. Because oh, I've heard fucking horror stories from everybody I know. That dude, I would, I would interview somebody and I'd be like, oh my God, they're amazing. They think they'll... They, and like they'll show up five minutes late on the first shift. And right. Like, and then they'll turn into this monster. And I'm like, what happened to the person yeah. I interviewed? Like, of course, everyone's on their best uh, behavior. But we're talking like a, one, a, a complete 180 
Jekyll and Hyde. Like, yeah, you're a monster, and totally. I don't know how I missed this. Uh, people interview well, man. Some people oh, interview very well, right? Man, and it's uh, it's being able. To, so, the the cool thing about having my wife on my side, as far as this operating this business, she did all of our interviews with me. Great. She's a she's a recruiter. No shit. So she like her job is to interview people and judge character. She's got a lock. Yeah, she's got it. You know what I mean? Oh, man. And um, and I think I think bringing her in mm-hmm. for that process absolutely has really pushed us ahead in that in that aspect. I, I need to hire her. Yeah. Uh, my, so my wife Lauren, she owns La Bichette right over. Right. It's yeah, called it's called Bichette now. I feel um, like I knew that. Yeah. She's a beast. Like mm. she's. Um, She's just a business monster and she's right. good at, you know, the fashion thing and all that stuff. But uh, her systems and protocols and training and her ability to have fun with her staff and hold into a line, she's impeccable. Right. And I am so glad she's on my side. Yeah. Um, she's smarter that she's smarter than me in that realm. Like I so we're opening up another espresso bar in Burlington. Burlington's a waste. Yeah, I remember you talking about oh, this not before, a wasteland, yeah. but it's it's very corporate, and they don't have a lot of independent coffee shops. And I'm like, why is nobody opening something? Right, like? I think there's like Tamp or like and, like, and Tamp's great. Yeah, um, but that's it, right? right. And there's a place on all the show that just opened, but I was like, babe, let's do this and partner with me. And she she opened our our operation in a house coat between seven thirty in the morning and nine a.m. while the Crazy, kids were eating man. cereal, and she's just like. <laughs> okay, we're ready to go. Like, you know, Amazing. we're still in red tape world, but but right. anyway, my point is, is like our wives are a huge uh, bolster to our ability. Oh, to dude, like they're the backbone. Navigate. Like, for, yeah. sure. Yeah. for sure. They're like the, they're like the fucking drummer of the Absolutely. band. Absolutely. You know and, I mean? and, 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 and I'm thankful actually that she's an entrepreneur as well uh, because she, she understands, right? Right. But that, that within itself does have its own challenges as well. Um, I had a question that I wanted to ask. This beer is delicious, by the way. Want to try something else? Dude, I'm still nursing this. So you, oh, okay. I'm a lightweight. I like. I'm I'm, on, I'm I am the worst drinker here. in the world. <laughs> here, I'm gonna take half of this guy. But it's very good. So the one that one. the one that we had first, what was that? That was the that was the American Pale Ale. It's called Rock and Roll. Okay, cool. Um, it's the highest in percentage of what I personally carry out on Diamo. Dre, Dre, plug your plug this beer, man. Tell tell them what you told me. Yeah. So um, at on Diamo, we carry a beer called Birra Baladin. It's um, it's an Italian craft beer. Um, they are the first craft brewery in the world to brew something comprised of 100% Italian ingredients. The cool thing about this beer is that um, we're one of, I believe, four, I think maybe now five people in Ontario that carry it. They don't sell it at the LCBO. Um, you have to come to uh, one of five locations right to carry on. it. Um, and I'm not a beer guy, but this yeah. is delicious. Yeah, and my actually my cousin who owns a uh, restaurant in Burlington called Bar Culicino, right beside Joe Dogs. There, it's on. Oh, the that's your cousin. Yeah, Jared. Right on. So he, so he bought the distribution rights to this beer. I think about a year and a half ago. So he kind of like he's in an interesting position because he kind of gets to curate like who right carries this product. Yeah. Um, so right now it's us, uh, his restaurant, obviously Italy in Toronto, and Martello on James. Italy. Okay, so he's got the, he's the he's the Italian joint that was the old bank. The That's old, right. That's that right. is the one of the sharpest joints. Oh, dude, the the amount of effort and attention to detail. Wow, like we were talking about. We that should go. That oh, for sure. I'd love man. to go. You know, I was cons- I was afraid that maybe they had gone out of business because there was a swath of time where I didn't see anything. No, happening. they're killing it, man. They were so um, like everybody else did. They did takeout. Yeah. Now the cool thing about Jared and Marco, his uh, his dad, um, they're they're um, 
within the business together. I think Marco helps manage the place and, and Jared owns the business, but they, they kind of segued from this massive operation of like 140 seats or something like that to when everything was locked down, it was just him, his dad and his sister and like three kitchen staff really? just like firing just out, take out. And you know, they, like they sustain themselves doing wow. that. Right. And it's a very, it's got that, it's got that like big restaurant feel, mm-hmm. but it ha- it's being driven by like a very family oriented. I gotta dynamic. go. Yeah. It's great. I've man. never been in it's it, great. but I, I love what I see. Yeah. It's dude. sharp. It's, it's very well designed. Um, double date. Yeah. We should do it, man. Yeah. 100%. Sure. Let me know. Um, man, I keep going off these tangents and I keep forgetting what I wanted to talk about. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you, uh, you have multiple, not streams of income, but well, I guess you do. You have, you have the alcoholic bar component. You have the espresso bar right down to having cannolis. And then you have the barbershop service. Um, a lot of great ideas sometimes don't pan out. Mm. So I remember like we were, we were approached by Millie, the high end women's boutique on Maine. Right. They're like we want to do like a boutique um, St. James. Right. One barista, have your branding. And we just want to want to have, a barista to receive our, our clientele. And, right. And I'm like, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Right. It's not going to happen. It's just, it's just not. The timing's not right. They'll look at yada, yada, yada. Um, and I feel like your concept could go either way. It could be like, oh man, I really wanted this to happen, but no, it, no one, I had no street presence. No, no one came off the street for this service. Right. Uh, how have you managed to make that work? It's interesting you say that because when I, you know, I was being mentored by various people within this process and my dad's buddy, Scott, um, he, he was, uh, I can't, I can't remember exactly what he did, but he, he worked for Cadillac Fairview. Um, and essentially he, he, he just knows business. He just knows business operations. And when I was, when I was coming up with the concept and looking at the space and he came by, um, and he said, you know, like, don't don't put your eggs into so many different baskets. He's like, do one thing and do it fucking great. You yeah, know what I mean? And I'm put down with all that. of your focus within that. And he's like, if you want to do a cafe concept, he's like, you should contract it out and have somebody come in and, 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 and build and work on a cafe within your business. Right. right. But me being, you know, having the attention to detail and, 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 you know, having that, um, I want to, I want to be, in control of my own domain yep. whenever I can all the time. You know what I mean? Like I need to be able to, I mean, I need to be able to be in control of the entire experience from the moment you walk through the door to the moment you walk to the barber chair to the moment you walk out the door. Right. Um, I can't put my trust into somebody to run a completely separate operation within my concept. You're having a culture, you're having a culture and a DNA collision. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, how, how Andiamo operates is we primarily make most of our revenue on haircuts mm-hmm. at our core. We are a barbershop. Yep. Those, those other aspects of business are almost accessories to the, to, to the, the main source gotcha. of business, which is the barbering. Yep. Right. Um, conveniently we are allowed to operate at, at whatever hours we want between nine or eight o'clock and you know, 2 AM, whatever. Um, so we kind of take it upon ourselves to build different concepts within the same concept, right. um, you know, with our events and all, all of our, all of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but at our car, we are a barbershop. Um, at the end of the day, um, we do have full service coffee. We do have beer. Um, I would never consider myself a bar. 
right. primarily. I would never <clears throat> consider myself a cafe primarily. Sure. Um, but we do provide those experiences for the people looking for them. And you know right? what? Uh, it's a small detail, but framing it that way totally makes sense. Right. And a lot of times, like, you know, we don't make we don't make that much revenue on our coffee. Like it's not by any means like paying our bills, sure. just coffee sales alone. But it's, it's more, it's more of like a loss leader for us. Yeah, right? Absolutely. So people come in, they're just like, Oh, like I've heard about this place. They have cannoli, they have coffee. They walk up to our takeout window in the summer and they stare at the back. Love like, it. Holy shit. My, my husband can get a haircut here. And right. I, can, I can come here and right. sit down with my computer it's, it's and have the, a coffee. It's the hot dog at Costco, man. Totally. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. <laughs> like if we, if, if we sell, you know, 300 coffees, you know, a day, right? Yeah. Just like exaggerating, right? 300 coffees a day. And we don't make money on one of those coffees, but we bring 300 people to the door that see that we do haircuts. 100%. That's a win for me. But that's a businessman speaking. And that's, that's, sure. that's smart. And that's an old school concept that totally. always works. I, um, the first time there were two times where I saw a model similar to this before anyone was doing it. We're talking like 13 years ago. I was in, um, Greenwich Village in New York, my favorite city on earth. Yeah, great, great spot. And I went into this surf shop, and it was like a boutique, high-end, longboard, uh, bespoke surf shop. Right. And they had a Lamarzoco, and they're doing espresso. And I was like, nice. what the? F- That's fucking cool. You're man. kidding me. What is this? I, I just, yeah. I had never even seen or, th- like, I'm like, this is amazing. And yeah. then I was in L.A. on Melrose, and I went to the Double RL, the Ralph Lauren uh, uh, shop, and it was an old converted um Mechanic shop. Right. And if you know anything about Double RL, it's kind of like uh, James Dean meets Marlon Brando, uh, naval, military, men's fashion. Cool. Really, really cool. But they had a bar, a full-functioned old-school bar in it. And he's like, hey, man, uh, we closed down around 730. We're going we're gonna to have some whiskey shots. Like, come on by. Totally, man. And I was like, what? Yeah, it's great. What is this? And then, you know, I started seeing it more and more, but... but uh, I love that concept. Totally. And if anything, man, like it makes like those guys, for example, if they don't, if they don't pay their bills with their alcohol sales, you're talking to me about it. 12 years later, 12 years later yeah. in Hamilton. Absolutely. You know I mean? Point, point taken. Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. Amazing. And now when I go to the village or something like that in New York, yeah. right, I'm going to try to look for that spot. What's your favorite city? Not a fair question, Ooh. not an easy question, but much, you know, it's been a lot of places, man. My favorite city, like on earth, that's tough, man. That's like being like, what's your favorite song? You know well, I mean? you know what I mean? it's true. Like <laughs> L- London, I love Boston. I, I love, love Lon- Boston. London, England yeah. is, an, is an amazing thing, but New York, I come alive. Oh man. I've been, I've, I've probably been in New York maybe 12 or 13 times. <sighs> that's more than me. And it's like. I just love it. And like, obviously when you go to New York for the first time, you know, I was there with my parents as a kid, you know, we did the whole times square thing. Absolutely. We did did all that kind of stuff. But now like it's, it's, you know, last time I went with my brother, we stayed in Chelsea, went to like the markets and stuff like that. Like that's, that's where I live. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, the meatpacking district and I freaking love, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm getting goosebumps. I, so there's, it's just so diverse, man. It's like, it's like a hundred different cities within one city. And my wife, my wife's a little bit delicate in the sense of like anything with audio any audio or visual um what's the word pollution she gets overwhelmed right okay but she knows she has to experience new york with me but i'm oh she's never been she's never been and oh, i'm like dude. god please like it please oh, love it dude. because it's it's amazing man. it uh if if i could i would move there 
and I would oh, for sure. and I would do well. My wife and I talk about moving there all the time. Oh, um, my, one of my earliest food epiphanies was in New York. My first time I ever had like a white wine garlic sauce with clams. I was like, and it was in the basement tavern uh, uh, in Manhattan. I was like, I'm hooked. Um, you're a food guy too. You love food. Love food. Obviously, what Italian doesn't? Are you Sicilian? Yes. 100%. Uh, my mom's side is Sicilian. My dad's side is Abruzzese. So I got kind of like, like okay. South Central. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right on. Um, let's talk about food a little bit. Sure, man. Because I think it's a, first of all, how are you doing for time? We're at an hour and 14. I never go longer than two hours. How are you doing? Oh, we're good. Man. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, kids in bed. All right. Um, I'll share with you my first food discovery epiphany. Again, if anybody listens to this. How, how old were you? We're talking like five years old. Oh, okay. four years old. First of all, I remember everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was the, uh, it was eggs and soldiers. It was buttered toast mm. with egg yolk. And I, I can't explain the all consuming. <laughs> I was enraptured with that flavor and I would actually go out of my way to prolong it by getting up from the table and kind of doing a lap around the kitchen just to kind of take a little more time and not end so soon. No and I would shit. actually turn back to the food and go, I'll be right back. <laughs> and and it was, it was undoubtedly my first like food epiphany. Right. And, uh, that was my food, my food first kiss. And, um, it makes sense that I'm a chef. Like I, I yeah. you know, but uh, for you to even like, see, like I don't have memories like that. And there's a lot of people I know that don't remember anything be earlier than grade eight. Yeah. Like, like what? I, there's no way. Like I have a, I have a buddy that like, He's like, hey man, remember in like the third grade when like you punched out this guy because like he, I'm like, dude, how the fuck do you remember? Dude, I'm I'm that guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. Yeah, I never understood that. I can tell you what you were wearing at you know X Y Z. Right, yeah. crazy. That's wild. But let's man. talk about uh, you know music, guitars, mm. the smell of cigarettes and wine and pasta sauce and mm. loud boisterous family. Like that was a framework for my reality. What was totally. let's let's talk. I think. And I was always shocked at how many of my Anglo friends didn't have that connection to family food. And, and yeah. I was like, what? Is I mean, for us, everything was family and food. Show me, or not show me, but like, let's, why don't you uh, recount for me, like what it was like growing up in your family and, and uh, you know, how it shaped you to who you are today. I think people underestimate what food and, and family time can do. Yeah, totally, man. It's like, I mean, growing up, probably much like yourself, any sort of, you know, minute occasion, like it doesn't matter what it was, family had to get together and have a big dinner and, yep. and you know, and um, it's funny because every single girlfriend that I've ever had, <laughs> I've never dated an Italian girl. Really? Not once. Same, actually. It's interesting, right? And you, and you bring them into this culture shop. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's funny because like everyone's like, dude, you're Italian, you've never dated an Italian girl. And I'm like, dude, exotic for me is like pale skin and like blue eyes. Same, my, wife, <laughs> my wife is a Nordic. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And like my wife's like, she's like Scottish, Irish, right. and like what I was like, you know, kind of like red Mun hair. Munja cake. Crazy, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. right? So, but I went to school at Cardinal Newman, yeah. Stony Creek, and it was literally like 80% Italian. It was Italian central. Right, yeah. so, so there were Italian girls everywhere. And I'm just like, man, I don't want it. Right. Um, but every single girl, friend that I've had has been, you know, at a family dinner of mine and every single time they just get completely overwhelmed, oh, not only by the amount of food that they're eating, but by the volume right. of, of the experience. It's like walking right? into a shark tank. Totally. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And I never, I never saw it any different. No. Right. So that to me, that's normal. And, and even now it's funny because at the barbershop, I have my barbers tell me all the time. They're just like, Hey man, like, 
I can like turn it down a little bit. <laughs> lower, slower. Turn it down a little bit, yeah. all right? Yeah. But that's just how I communicate, yeah. right? Because that's how that was my upbringing. Why are you mad? I'm not mad. I'm yeah. just talking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And 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 it's funny because if we talk about like relationship dynamic. My wife and I are very likely to bring an argument down from like level one to like level 20 really quick. And it's all my doing. <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> and she's yeah. just trying to match that yeah. level. Yeah. But to me, I mean, that was, that was my family growing up. You know, we'd get together with like 20, 30 people um, for Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays. Um, you know what I mean? Like, no problem crushing the number 30 for a group gathering. And I mean, like, as you know, like as you get older, that, that number kind of starts to weather yeah. a little bit, you know, people, you lose some family members and you know, the family dynamic changes and whatever. But from, from a really young age, we're talking like, you know, you know, my cousin, my cousin, Mike is having a, is having a birthday. We got to get the second cousins, the third cousins, the first cousins, like everyone's got to get together. We got to have, we got to have a table from one wall in the kitchen or in the dining room to the other wall in the living room. The best. You know what I mean? And then, and then all of the, uh, I mean, culturally, all the, all of the women were in the kitchen. All the men were having cigarettes, drinking wine, playing cards. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, the dinner would come to the table, everybody would eat, um, and then everybody would live on the couch, throw a game on or something like that. And that was just, that was, that was how I experienced family dinners. The funny thing is, is I can smell the room you're talking about. I I understand. It's crazy. Uh, You know, one of my, I mean, I knew my wife was the one, you know, immediately, but one of the tests was, let's see how she does. Totally. It's always a test. In this dog fight of my family. And it's also going to be like, is she going to be scared away? And she crushed it. Amazing. And I'm like, oh, you're the one. one." (laughs) And it's funny now. So like my wife now can tell when pasta's done by the smell of it. Right. She's like that. Those noodles smell like starchy. Those noodles smell right. I'm like, babe, I'm so proud of you. Oh my God. Uh, Let's talk about, um, let's talk about the the misconceptions of pasta. Now I I always say to somebody, if they, if it's the first time they're dining with me, like, now listen, this is al dente. Yeah, of course. To the tooth. So, most people don't know what al dente is, so I know. it's not undercooked. I know. It's proper. I know. That's one of the biggest ones, right? And, and yeah. by the way, you're not supposed to drown your pasta in sauce. Right. It's the condiment, condimento, there's right? So many, there's so many different uh, <laughs> etiquettes involved yeah. with pasta. So yeah. you're like, you have seafood pasta, you don't put cheese on it. You know oh, I mean? yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like that, were right? you, uh, we're, we're, I'm, I'm totally okay that we're going on a complete tangent here sure. because I want to get into the, the, the human side of my, my, my guest. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't do a lot of seafood. No, you see, I mean, did you? Were you Sicilian as well? I'm, I'm mostly Sicilian, and I have uh, some uh, calabrese in me. But so, uh, the, my my Sicilian versus Abruzzese side were very different as far as cuisine. Yeah, um, Sicilian was a lot of weird shit. It, dude, it's got African and Moroccan like, and weird. Like, yeah. dude, I was like, I was like five, six years old eating like chicken hearts in my pasta or raisin in pasta. Yeah, like, just like weird, shit. like tripa, and yeah. like all that. I actually, I'm more of like a Roman Emilia Romana style Central right. Italian okay. food guy. Okay, yeah. Sicily's a little too gutsy for me. It's too, it, yeah, yeah. And you, you know what? I, I attribute, you know, the variations of different foods that we had in my Sicilian culture to me, like literally not turning away anything that's put in front of Good me. Good for you. Like, I know I don't have one picky bone in my body. I can't do, I can't do tripe. I can't do tripe. Oh, dude, I love it. Oh, no. Even if it's, even if it's shitty tripe, I'll eat it. You're brave. <laughs> You're brave. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like all of that, like we had, and, and then my, my dad's side, there was a lot of, I, I there, my, the, the uproot says side of the family was like, 
not not literally, but figuratively, like the meat and potatoes of Italian food, right? Right. Yeah. Um, all of like the rigatoni and and uh, a lot of like they did the uh, like the oliva, like with like the fr- the fried with the stuffed olives, mm. like all that kind of shit, right? Um, and like they were my my nonna side on my dad's side was like exactly what you would expect from Italian food, right? Right. Um, she would make pizza and and all that kind of stuff, and then my my other nonna side. Although the food was amazing, still it was just definitely very out of scope of like what you would Gutsy, expect Italian punk food. rock Italian pig, food, like pigs feet, yeah. like shit like that. Yeah. Because yeah, realistically, Sicilians were peasants. They were for impoverished a very long time. Yeah, they used to you know work with what they had. Yeah, right, and that's where the cuisine came from. Yep. right. Which is it's funny because when I when I look at Italian food today in like the most ritzy restaurants. Like you see, like you see polenta almost everywhere. Yeah. Right. Whereas polenta, polenta was peasant food. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it's all people could afford. There was people actually afford meat. There was actually a disease that only existed within the northern regions of Italians because they had oh. so much corn. Right. That they were actually <clears throat> its own disease was created in that sect of people. No shit. Because all they ate was polenta, and it was poverty. That's the thing about all great cuisine. It's all started in poverty. Right. Even French, right. even high end French. I know it's crazy, man. <laughs> but again, there you go. Necessity is the mother of invention, one hundred percent. Where do you buy your Italian sausage? Nardini's. Oh, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Where else would you buy? That's so, the only place. This is what I say. Nardini's is the apex for sure. And if I can't get to Nardini's, I'll I'll settle for Fortino's because if you know for how to, sure. if you know how to handle it, it can taste totally. Good. Yeah. But uh, Nardini's is a temple. Oh, dude! It's the—I mean—the only <clears throat> sausage I ever ate growing up was Nardini sausage. It's funny because my my dad, my brother, and I we make sausage every year now, and it's like. Well, you grew up near it, right? So you were closer. You we were in Stony Creek. Okay, so yeah, that's so Nardini was like a stone's throw from okay. my from my nonna's house. Lucky growing you, up, right? Okay. So, um, but we make sausage now, and it's like the the baseline of like what a sausage should taste right. like is is Nardini sausage. That was my next question. Now, my buddy of mine, Joe Bozo. Yeah, Joe, I know Joe, Joe Bozo. Bozo. Yeah. His dad, Carmine, I love that man. So um, I was going to them when they were still in the shop on, was it Cannon? Yep, yep. It's now Shorty's. That's right, yep. Um, they made a great sausage too. Right. And uh, they were the last vestige of a, of a joint like that. And uh, Carm was a great, is a, is a great man. Uh, I'm digressing, but uh, it's funny. I just, I needed to ask you because I'm so, I'm like, mom, where'd you get that sausage? She's like, I got a metro. I'm like, no, don't, no, don't no, touch no. it. Oh, I'll be man. like my wife, I'm like, listen, you can go to basics and get X, Y, and Z. You can get 90% yeah. of what we need. I'll make it taste good. Yeah. Don't even think. Yeah, I know. Like sausage I know. Sausage is a big one for me. I, no, mean, I mean, I remember my wife one time. I mean, God bless her. She, I can't remember. We, we do a lot of um, uh, Instacart shit. Me too. Just because we don't have time for I know. anything anymore. I know. And she got this sausage. And I, I don't know what the fuck was in it. But it was like... It, <sighs> Nardini just puts they, they they it's like the sausage that you put on a pedestal you know mm-hmm. what I mean and mm-hmm. anything that doesn't come close it's just like you completely it's the template yeah and it's like every sausage that I eat that's that claims to be Italian sausage sausage anywhere in the world you just I know. always compare it to Nardini yeah. sausage and that's kind of like where we where where we always talk about you know Sam's cannoli right yeah. I've had people tell me millions of times oh you gotta have you have a have to have, have a cannoli here you have to have a cannoli here but I'm like, nobody will ever touch Sam's cannoli. I mean, you, you can have a cannoli there. For sure. But it's not Sam's. I, I had a cannoli. I remember in Sicily, we had cannoli, like in Raccomuto, where yep. everyone around. That's where I'm from. from. Right. Okay. Perfect. Is that where you're from? My, my mom's side. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. cool. So 
in Rakamuto, we were having cannoli and there was this one guy and we were kind of like shooting jabs at each other. He was just like a classic, like Sicilian wise guy. Right. And, uh, I'm like, Hey, like, I'm, he's like, how's cannoli? I'm like, it's good. He's like, he's, uh, he's like, what do you think? And, and I'm like, it's, it's good. But I'm like, but I've had better. And he's like, where have you had better? I'm like, at home. He's like, where's home? And I'm like, Hamilton. He's like, Sam. <laughs> you know what's funny about the the, the Rakamotes? They know Hamilton yeah, because man. they all ended up here. It's the sister city, man. There's yeah. actually a plaque in the piazza right. that says Rakamuto Sicily, sister city of Hamilton, So Ontario. I'm not surprised by that. My mom was in Rakamuto and she had meatballs and she started crying. She goes, this tastes like Hamilton. Yeah, man. And it's isn't it amazing that over 70 years of generational it's crazy, man. immigration and... 4,000 miles, but the taste memory oh, it's crazy. is still intact. I always, I always say that with music and food, it's always, it's the most nostalgic, you yeah. know, music is the most nostalgic thing. Every time you listen to music, you think about a moment in your life. 100%. Food, also the same for me, yeah. nostalgic. I was talking to, uh, I'm, I, I know Vittorio very well from Born and Raised. Dude, he's a dude. Man, he's, so we'll, we'll get into the topic of, of, of his contribution to Andiamo later. I'm proud to say that he's a regular. It was a big deal for me to see him yeah, come he's, m- many times. He's fan- he, I, I put you know, more respect t- towards him than anybody I know. And, yeah, you know those and cats can cook. Amazing. Yeah. So I remember my, I, have, I had some friends, and I was telling him this story because he comes to get his hair cut out on Diamo, and, and uh, I had some friends from BC come visit because that's where my wife's from. We went to Born and Raised because they wanted Italian food. And I remember... Um, my, my dad's mom died about, uh, five, five, six years ago now, but she's, she's been gone for about 15 just cause you know, dementia and all that. Right. Um, but everything that I remember about her was around her pasta. Mm. You know what I mean? Every, like, I still remember the smell. I remember the taste. I remember the texture. I remember mm. everything. And I've never once had a plate of pasta that has resembled that in my entire life. And I remember um, when my friends were visiting from BC, uh, whenever I go there, he always does it up for me really well. And we ordered the, I, I, I can't remember if it was the gnocchi or the rigatoni. I think it was the rigatoni. Um, and he, he brought it out and he's like, give this a shot. And I'm like, okay, cool, dude. I swear to God, I put a, a piece of this pasta in my mouth and uh, I almost broke down in tears. That's the highest praise you can get as a cook. Dude. I yeah. like, I literally almost like I had to, I had to stop myself from it, crying. It's a time machine. It's a time machine. Yeah. I remember, like, I remember the taste so vividly yeah. and like, it brought me back to so many fond moments in my childhood. And you can smell the room you were in when you, oh, uh, dude, you, yeah. I've never, I've never had that experience with food. See, you're romantic like I am. And unless oh, unless you're romantic, you don't get the stuff. No, but, like it was crazy. Yeah. And then I remember we went the other week and he's like, and he, he dropped the plate of pasta down. He's like, hey, man, he's like, I hope it hits the same as it right did last on, time. Right you know on. Yeah, I mean? No pressure. I, you yeah. know, I've, I've been fortunate to say there's been about three times that mm-hmm. I've, I've served someone and they, they started crying. Oh, this tastes like grandma. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's... Totally, man. There's nothing more powerful than that. That's better than a Michelin star. And like you yeah. said, like, that's, that's got to be the highest praise that you can get in the industry, right? Now, let's talk about spaghetti alle olio. Oh, I love it. That, to me, is the test. Oh, if, for if sure. If you can make oil and garlic work and it's yep. not dry... Yep. Totally. You got, that's you, you that's a cook. big one. Also, the carbonara is a big one for yeah, me oh, too. Maybe more. Maybe yeah. more so. Every time, every time I go to a restaurant and I want to see if the if the chef knows how to cook pasta properly, I'll order a carbonara. Yeah. Because the timing is yeah. is so impeccable on yeah. how it's done. You know, what I, I, mean? I it's was, important. I always say food is uh, timing and seasoning. Timing, and knowing seasoning. when to stop cooking something. Totally. And I always say, man, salt 
is your currency. For sure. If you know how to do salt, yeah. you're better than most. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, okay, so let's just keep going with this. Music. Yeah. What, uh, what did you grow up cutting your teeth to as a, as a young I grew up in like the punk scene, like metal scene and stuff like that. I okay. played in a few metal bands growing up. And it, it, I mean, ha- Hamilton was like between like 2005 to like 2010, 11. It was like one of the biggest like hardcore scenes yep. in like the province. You yep. know what I mean? Um, and I grew up going to all those shows. I don't know if you've heard of bands like Straight Reads the Line and, and Dead and Divine. And them, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I used to go to their shows and a few of my buddies were in all those bands and you know, I played bass here and there. I sang here and there, played guitar here and there, but, um, I've never like stuck to one indus- instrument and like mastered it. Yep. Um, like I, like I said, I like, I'm the type of guy that likes to try everything. Yeah. Right. So tried my hand at bass, tried my hand at guitar, vocals, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it was, it was a bit, I don't, I mean, I don't play anything anymore just cause I don't have the time, but, uh, it was a big thing for me growing up was playing music. It, I, I did anything that allowed me to get the girls. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. You know what put, I mean? Put an like, instrument in your hand. I'm just like, shit, I got to learn how to play guitar. You can be butt ugly, man. If you can sing a note. <laughs> uh, what about albums or songs where we're like, oh, I remember where I was when I heard that? See, a lot of that, a lot of, I always tell people, they're like, what kind of music do you listen to? And I'm like, I still listen to the shit I listened to in high school. Same, man. You know what They're I mean? my friends. Like, I don't, you don't leave your friends. No, exactly. <laughs> okay. I always put that music on, yeah. and I always know that no matter what mood I'm in, it'll always turn it around. So, what, what I mean? so uh, if you were to Desert Island pick, you know, an album that really was transformative for you, do you recall? Yeah. So uh, the biggest one for me was uh, it, an album called Kazaya by Protest the Hero. Okay. Um, it's just like it was one of those records that I had a CD. I remember I had the CD and, you know, I had a Ford Focus back in the day that I used to jam, you know, CDs into and play. I played that CD so many times front to back that it just stopped fucking working. No shit. Literally just stopped working. I had to, I had to take the CD out, throw it in the garbage, go to Get a new Sunrise one. and buy a new one. You know what I mean? Don't you miss record stores? I, do, I worked at Sunrise. For, I worked at Beat Goes On. No way. And I was, I was so, I'm so proud to say that I worked at a record shop. Totally. I man. was like, this is great. They fired me. But they, like, I, oh, dude, I've been fired by so many jobs. <laughs> I still work there, you know? That's amazing. I always joke. So like in grade 11, uh, you know, I, I was coming up as a musician. And, and mm. What did you, you play? Know, I'm a guitarist and a singer. Cool. So rhythm and, and lead and nice. acoustic, all that. Uh, still recording, still writing. Um, cool. Man. But uh, I was coming up during grunge. Oh, no way. Yeah. So Nirvana. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, 90, like 90. So like what, when did you start high school? 92 was grade nine. Right. Okay. okay. So, cool. uh, and then Nirvana blew up Pearl Jam and all those guys, but I was still like insecure and terrified of everything, but it was when Smashing Pumpkins came out in yeah, 95 cool, where I'm like, man. this is my band. Cool. And I remember some dude, he was like a, he was like a delinquent. He, he comes into first period religion class at Assumption High School in Burlington. I went, I went to high school in Hamilton and Burlington. So my cousin, my cousin that owns Coolachino was, was assumption guy. How old is he? He's much like, he's younger than me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I I don't know him then. Yeah. Um, he goes, I'm going to sunrise records to to punk some CDs. Does anybody want anything? (laughs) I goes, I go, how much you charging for? He goes five bucks. I'll get you a CD. I'm like, okay, can you get me Siamese dream by smash? Nice. So I joke, I still have, that's the same seed. one. Yeah. And I like, I owe Billy Corgan like, you know, $20, but uh, <laughs> I don't really know what my point is, but you know, for me personally, um, film, but 100% music and food. Um, m- 
just art, man. It's a framework for my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, uh, and I remember, like I said, I remember everything. I know where I was when I heard whatever you give me a song. I'm like, I, I there's a good chance. I'm going to tell you where yeah, I was. You're a memory guy. See, yeah. like I, I, I remember, I don't remember specific moments in time when I hear music, but I remember like that era. Right. You know what I mean? Um, it's palpable. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've never had, you know, the best memory um, like I'm not, I'm not a, like you where you can like pinpoint certain time right. frames. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like the, the nostalgia for me derives from like the era and like, you know, that like five, 10 years within that genre, yeah. um, that I, you know, that I went through like parties and like all that kind of stuff. Right? So what year did you graduate high school? Oh, seven. Oh, seven. I was in ninth class of 96, man. Damn. I'm not old, but I ain't, but I'm not 11 young. years, man. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, when, 96. I would have been, I would have been like, like eight or something. My wife like says it. She's like, I was one. Cause I got, I got, oh, really? I've hey? got, I've got 12 years, 11 years of my wife. Wow. So, so she's, so she's closer to, she's, she's like in your, in your, in your age clump. Yeah. Cool. Like you, you're, you're likely our wives will get along she quite grew well. up here. She's a golf girl. Okay. Um, cool. and she was a big shot at Holt Renfrew and Aldo and, uh, she oh, ended shit. up moving here maybe eight years ago, Very nine years cool. ago. And, uh, we're actually moving to Guelph in a year. Nice. Um, but anyway, uh, she does not remember anything. I remember I'll be like, Oh, I remember. So like a lot of ironic songs that like a Swiffer commercial will have. Right. And I'll be like, Oh no, no. I'll say like, Oh, I love this song. It's like a retro 80s song. She's like, Oh, that's a Swiffer commercial. I'm like, Nope, that is. The band XTC that had this hit and you know, yeah. <laughs> total, total, crazy, it's like Jay-Z yeah. and Beyonce, like 11 years. It's, it's crazy. But you know what, man, I waited a really long time for my, for the one. Mm. And, uh, I ended up with a young, beautiful girl. And as an nice. old crusty man, I got, I got lucky that you way. Go, man. Yeah. Good for you. Um, man, I, I have a feeling that we could go on and on and on. And I think I, I want to have you back and just maybe even have you co-host for some, some, from some stuff. Sure, man. Cause why not? I think it's easy. We, cool. we, we seem to have an easy rapport. I'm always, I'm always looking to do different shit. So cool, man. Yeah. Um, there was a couple other things I wanted to hit on because we're in such different tangents. I'm, I'm starting to lose myself. Um, well, I wanted to hop back to the, to the barbering thing. What, like for me, when I walk up the stairs from the prep area and I, you know, the music's playing, it's the right song and, I can hear the clanging of the utensils and people laughing and taking photos of the food and the room just feels good in the restaurant. Mm. I'm like, mm. this is perfect. Right. What is a scenario um, when you're at Andiamo where it's like, this is perfect. So it's funny. Cause my, uh, I remember my cousin Jared and I having this conversation when, when I was first opening Andiamo and I didn't, I, when I was building on Diamo and I was going through all the red tape with the city, I didn't think on Diamo was going to open. I really? was like having conversations about bankruptcy. Before <laughs> Sounds the, like us with before, our, <laughs> yeah, before the business even started. Right. right. Um, and I remember him sitting me down having a conversation one day over a beer saying, you know what, man, he's like, it feels this way now, but one day you're going to, you know, open your doors and you're going to look around this place and you're going to be like, fuck man. Like I did this. Did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there was, it, it's a funny story because there was this one moment when we were having an art night, and, uh, I'm, a, I'm a barber by trade. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I do. I cut hair. Yeah. I never in a million years thought that I'd be able to run an operation that allowed people to enjoy the space outside of that world. Right on. You know what I mean? So 
we had an art event and, uh, it was a good buddy of mine, Nick. He, um, he, he's an artist and he, he had the space and put all of his art up and it was, it, those events are always capacity. Like if there's, I have people standing at the door, like telling them not to come in cool. you know what I mean? and I remember sitting there and, uh, um, just kind of like looking around the space and just like being so proud of the fact that, you know, I, I, I was able to kind of persevere and make this happen. Mm-hmm. And like, and I, it, the funny story I'll, I'll get to that is um, every time that I'm proud of a situation throughout the barbershop side of Andiamo, there's th- photos of my family everywhere. I've seen that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and it's funny cause everyone says, Hey, is, is, are those stock photos or are they your family? <laughs> no photos? man, this is real. Like, no man, these are my, this is my family. Right on. And I remember every time I have a, pr- a proud moment, I look at, I, I just like give myself a moment. I just stare at those photos. Love it. And I just say to myself, like, you know what? Like, I did this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm your product. Right like, on. I'm making. This it's like you're happen. standing on the shoulders of giants. Looking totally, going, man. You, totally, you, yeah, yeah, totally. Very cool. And they're just kind of like hoping that somebody's looking down at me I love at it. some point. And I remember somebody at the at the event caught me from a distance, <laughs> doing that, having that moment. And but here's the funny thing: he comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, man." He's like, "I do that sometimes too." And I'm like, "I'm like." Uh, I'm like, what's that? He's like, I look, he's like, sometimes I like look at myself in the mirror. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like sometimes I just look at myself in the mirror and like, just like say, do I got this? Like, is oh, everything wow. good? I'm like, no, That's I'm like, dude, like, let me show you what I was looking at. And he comes and looks at the photos of my family, man. He turns like oh, red like, as oh. a pepper. Like, oh. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It was hilarious. Hilarious. Um, but yeah, that was, that's the moment for me. Like when my space is, 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 is busy and it's vibing. And you know, it's, it's being successful in a way that I wasn't intending it to be. Let's talk about success. Sure. So St. James is successful, right? I'm not financially successfully personal. I don't mean, I don't see, I don't see financial, financial success as success, but I, I, I'm proud of what we've built and, um, maybe you can speak to that. Like, would you agree? Like it's, 100%. it's, yeah, it's, um, so my, so my brother and I have these, these kind of, um, back and forth debates all the time. And, you know, uh, my, my brother is very financially successful. Okay. Um, and he, we, we almost kind of like say, look, Oh, I, I want what you have. And he looks at me and he says, I want what you have left brain, right brain. Right. And we, and we both make each other appreciate hmm. what we have. Right, right. So it's, it's kind of like he's got all the money and like, he doesn't have to worry about a dime. And you know, I look at him and I'm just like, man, like mm-hmm. I want what you have. Right. And he's like, dude, he's like, you get to go to work every single day and you get to enjoy what you do and you have a beautiful family. He's like, I want what you have. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's kind of just like, I I've come over the last few years, I've kind of segued away from the thought of financial success, being financial successful. Um, and, and, and just looked at my general day to day and my, my mood specifically. And the fact that if I can wake up every single day and a, be proud of what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and b not dread doing it. Yep. Um, that's, that's success for me. I don't think, I I don't think kids remember how much money is in the bank account. I think they remember what totally the legacy of culture. Everyone goes to the same place at the end of the day, man. You know what I mean? You can't take it with you either. You can't, you can't. So it's like, and like, yeah, it's nice to have nice things. Like my wife and I love nice shit. You know what I mean? Like, um, we're pretty eccentric with like stuff that we buy. And like, if, if we can, if it's within our means for sure, I just like things of quality. That's how I've always been. Yeah. Things of quality are expensive. Right. 
Um, but at the end of the day, if I can, if I can be proud of something that I've created and if I can wake up every single day, um, and look back on the things that I have and appreciate them, then that's, that's success for me. Right on. You know what I mean? Listen, man, like I, uh, I don't want to stop, but we got to stop because, mm. because, because uh, we have families and, and yeah, people are going to stop listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I can tell, I can tell, um, you know, from your character, from talking with you for almost two hours that, uh, you are exactly what a barber needs to be. And Thanks, in terms of, that. you know, uh, a, a good human with good skills doing a good, a good work. And, uh, I have mad respect for the fact that you've persevered through this crazy time. The fact that you're keeping the barbering culture alive mm. and that you're a part of, uh, you're adding to Hamilton. Uh, and, uh, you can consider me a new client because I'm retiring my mom and I'm going to ask for <laughs> hey, Dre and uh, have an excuse to come visit you once a month. But um, where can people uh, check out your socials and all the pertinent information for Andiamo? Yeah. So um, we're most uh, kind of uh, the majority of our online presence is through our Instagram Yep. Uh, at Andiamo Hamilton. Um, that's our total Instagram handle on Diamo Hamilton online. We are on Um, and then our email is info at on And you're located where, uh, we're at one Oh two George street between queen and Hess within the village. Awesome. Yeah, man. I lived on George street with my mom 800 years ago. No way. It's a cute little area. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's cool. It's, it's kind of, I mean, that's a, that's a topic for another day. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> well, Dre, man, thank you so much. I feel like uh, I've made a, a fast friend with you, man. And it's I look cool, forward man. to uh, eating together and yeah, hanging dude. out. And I, uh, I, I promise sure. you that I will not uh, leave this to just uh, the podcast. I'd like to, uh, yeah, hang out, hang out more. Have me back too, man. I'd, Absolutely. I'd, love to, I'd love to chat with more people with you for sure. Absolutely. And and this is one of those three lines. Chefs and barbers are the kind of people I want to see fairly regularly because I totally. I understand it. Uh, but anyway, Dre, Dre Bucci of Andiamo, um, very cool guy, very talented guy, very handsome guy, <laughs> lots of cool tattoos um, Thanks, and a generous heart. And uh, Dre, thank you so much for joining us, I'll, man. Uh, I'll come by once a week for those compliments. You better, sure. buddy. You better. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Stay Thanks, tuned man. for episode 20. Ciao.